Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 574. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. Thank you to Cal Flowers, the leading floral trade association in California, providing valuable transportation and other benefits to flower growers and the entire floral supply chain in California and 48 other states. The association is a leader in bringing fresh-cut flowers to the U.S. market and in promoting the benefits of flowers to new generations of American consumers. Learn more at CAFGS.org. I'm excited to share today's show with you for a number of reasons. My guest is farmer florist Jenny Chance of Merritt Meadows Flower Farm. Recently, we recorded this conversation about her farm, her market, her flowers, and her story. Our conversation began, though, this past April, when I reached out to Jenny for help with a few floral deliveries I wanted to send a friend who was experiencing some tough medical issues. I searched our map of Slow Flowers members in the greater Philadelphia market, comparing zip codes and distances, and I determined that Jenny's Merritt Meadows Flower Farm was pretty close to the facility where my friend had been admitted. I reached out, and to my delight, what I needed was exactly the type of specialized service that Jenny offers. It was springtime, so she harvested and designed two bouquets during a month, delivering them in person to my friend. While the need for flowers was a sad one, I felt so comforted having a Slow Flowers member to call. Jenny took the time to email me a list of the flowers she planned to harvest, including uh, anemones, ranunculus, daffodils, and locally grown foliages of Dusty Miller, Eucalyptus, Euphorbia, Privet, cherry laurel and pachysandra she made an organic floral arrangement that was so beautiful and sent me photos reassuring me that it all went well getting to know more about jenny and Merritt meadows flower farm inspired me to invite her to join me here as a guest on the slow flowers podcast we're in for a treat i titled this episode fourth year flower farmer and i think it's a really important thing to notice um You know, she's not quite a beginner, and she's not a veteran. She's kind of in that teenage stage, adolescent stage as a flower farmer, feeling very confident about what she grows and her methods, but knowing she's got uh, to make some decisions going forward. So I think it'll feel relevant to many of you who are listening. Let's jump right in and meet Jenny Chance. I'll share her social media places in our show notes. Okay. Hey, everybody. We are going to uh, 
move on to part two of this show. And you've just seen the guided tour of Merritt Meadows Flower Farm narrated and shot by Jenny Chance. And now we're going to talk with Jenny. Hi, how are you, Jenny? Thanks for joining me. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a great opportunity. It is a great opportunity. I mean, it was kind of a quirky reason that we connected. Mm. I needed flowers delivered in your area. And of course, I'm going to go to a Slow Flowers member. Mm. And you took such good care of me uh, on taking beautiful flowers that, you know, were right out of your field and right out of your high tunnels into a friend. So, so first of all, thank you for that. And that's why we got to know each other a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. It's my pleasure. And that's nice to have my name on there. Um, Yes. Yeah. It is. And, and I, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the flowers you're growing and then also your services um, because, it, you know, this delivering of local flowers really is part of um, your subscription program. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Why don't you give everyone a snapshot of um, Merritt Meadows and um, Fort Washington, you said, is northwest of Philadelphia, right? That's right. That's right. And, um, yeah, we're in a suburb of, the, of Philadelphia. And uh, we have an acre and three quarter property and I'm cultivating on a little over a quarter acre. We do have landscape beds around the house and around the high tunnel that I have shrubs that I use for foliages and that kind of thing. So I'm walking all over the property whenever I harvest each morning. So you're, I'm all over the place. You're getting your steps in, right? Oh, totally, totally. And it's not flat. It's there's incline. So I'm I'm all right. over. Yeah. Right. Well, um, so was it a historic property or, or is it an older house or like, tell me about how long you've lived there? That's a great question. Actually, um, this piece of property that we have was subdivided by my parents and that's where Merritt comes from. And uh, it was almost four acres and it is an old, it is an old farmhouse. And the earliest recorded time is 1754. So that house is next door where I grew up and where my parents lived after we built the house that we're currently in. Mm -hmm. My husband's an architect, so he designed our house. And uh, it was such a blessing that, you know, when I turned to this farming thing, we have a walkout basement and the property that, you know, was open. And um, yeah, I think we only needed to take one or two trees down on the periphery and, Wow. It's been, I, I know I could have more sun. That's one of the things yeah. that I think is a limiting factor for my property. Um, and we have a, a drain field septic system. So I'm limited to how much I can dig um, in. But anyway, that's yeah, it's a nice little, and it's a private lane. So it's off the beaten path. So that's, that's helpful too. So you were a merit before you were a chance. Correct. So that's where the Merritt Meadows come from. And my mom used to say, all right, you kids go out and play in the meadow. So it was one of those things that, you know, was something in my heart and uh, yeah. you know, the name it after my parents. They're both deceased and it's neat to have them a part of everything. So. Yeah, it's it's uh, family and place uh, together. I love that. So um, taking into the consideration that you are, you live where you farm, you yeah. are still developing the property to maybe what your vision is. This Is this your third season? Actually, it's my fourth. Okay. So, yeah. Um, That's great. So we started in 19, and um, so that was my first growing season. Um, but it actually in 2018 was when I um, identified the name and mm. you know, put it into the mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. 
So when you had this, you know, idea to take, to maximize your property for more than just a gorgeous lawn and beautiful mm-hmm. landscaping shrubs, um, what what kind of research did you do to try to um, like identify your market? And to just talk a little bit about your market, and I'll pop up your website in a minute so people can see how you're structuring your CSA. Yeah, I always like to be outside and garden and. Um, And so gardening was one of the things that I like to do on the side. I worked in the nonprofit sector. I was executive director of a local branch of a national faith-based child welfare organization, adoption Mm. and foster care. So I always was, you know, gardening on the weekends and that kind of thing. Um, Started working for the national office in 2013 and then um, came the director of fundraising events. So I was working remotely. Their office was in Grand Rapids, so I kept gardening. And um, yeah, one day I was at a farmer's market and they were out of zucchini. And I said, well, I'm growing zucchini, you want some? And I sold some zucchini. And I have to tell you, the high that I had from selling (laughs) something I grew was unbelievable. And so, When I ended up getting laid off from that position with the severance, I just thought, you know what? I'm going to grow something different. I don't want to grow just veggies. Everybody has veggies. And nobody knows about flower farming in our area. There is Love and Fresh Flowers, Jenny Love, um, but there really isn't anything local in Mm -hmm. the suburbs. So Mm -hmm. I thought instead of vegetables, I would grow flowers. And uh the year before I started, I had a bumper crop of sunflowers and gave them around to all my friends and made everybody happy. And it was like, you know what? I can do this flower thing. So I love it. You knew you knew you could you knew you could grow and you knew what flowers did for people. So it was kind of like yeah, a no-brainer, right? Exactly. So with the severance, I plowed it into tulips and anemones and ranunculus and uh, paid for the floret flower farming. Um online courses. So that Mm -hmm. was kind of, and my goal was to see, I heard about subscriptions um, through Jenny Love's farming class. And, uh, and I thought, you know what, if I can get 15 subscribers before the end of the year, kind of sight unseen, people don't even know I can grow flowers or not. I, you know, I found 15 people that agreed to do a flower subscription and that launched me. I knew where my flowers were going to go the first year and it just kind of grew from there. Wow. That's amazing. It's almost like you built your market. You you wanted to have your demand before you put a bulb in the ground or a seed in the ground. Yes. Yeah. I really, I like the idea of knowing where my flowers were going to go before I grew them. The idea of having all these flowers and nowhere to take them. Um, and that happens to people, and some of those people are listening to this podcast nodding and saying, I wish I had taken that advice. Um, but other people are, are you know, just getting started, and this will launch them with just excellent mm-hmm. advice. Uh, Jenny, I'm going to put up your website right now just so we can um, look at uh, how you structure it. And things might have changed. Oops, let me go back up here to the, the, the flower subscription service. Things might have changed because this yep. is, as you said, your fourth season. But um, how is it similar to how you started or let's see. Oh yeah. Um, I have, it's like three season options. So if somebody wanted to just do spring, they could, or all three spring, summer, fall, and there are four bouquet subscriptions for each season, or they can modify it. And, um, I do vase arrangements as well as loose flower. So Mm -hmm. 
the vase piece came from when I first started out, I assumed I'd have tall stems to put in my craft paper sleeves with my, you know, label on it. And I thought this was going to be great, but not all my stems were long. And I'm like, well, I need to use all my flowers. So I started arranging in vases and then folks really liked having them already arranged and in a vase that they could just put on the table. So yeah. Most of my subscribers are for base arrangements. Um, and here's here's some that are on a, a feed across the bottom of your website. Yeah. Um, what is the situation with the vases then? Do you uh, have a like recycle them with the, the subscribers? Yeah, I'm like the ma uh, the milkman. So when I arrive with my, you know, arranged vases, they hand me back their previous vase and off I go. And I sterilize, you know, I clean them and um, sure, yeah, and I get them from um, a local uh, thrift store. So yep. I'm reusing what's out there already, and uh, yeah, it works out great. Well, you know, I we're running into that here in Seattle too, where there's just like the wholesalers um, are, you know, very low on inventory, and so. Um, the recycled vase from the thrift store is kind of, a, you know, and where people are shopping to find um, their vases. I, I know the recycling, encouraging customers to return their vases. It makes a lot of sense because we don't need more cheap glass. Just a vessel to, to show off your flowers. It's about the flowers, not the vase, right? Right, right. <clears throat> so there's all sorts that I find at the thrift store and they just clean them up and they're they're good to go and they break too often so it just makes it less you know worrisome if somebody says they broke one or they gave their arrangement to a friend and I don't get it back that's no big deal because the, the thrift store like um, weighs them they're not even per piece they're weighed like, oh, funny. I know so each one is less than you know a dollar. So I might get three yeah. or four vases for two fifty or something. Yeah. That's great. We'll talk a little bit about the PCO. I did not know that there was a, a designated organics program in, in Pennsylvania, yeah. but that's great that you have, uh, you know, front and center on your website. Yeah. Um, I, uh, subscribe or, um, donate to Rodale. Have you ever heard of Rodale? Institute? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So there, that's know. right. That, that organization's based in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania right? Yeah. In the Reading okay. area. And so I just have always believed in organics. I, you know, I did a science fair project in high school with pesticides in the environment. So I've always been very anti pesticides and chemicals. And so I always wanted to be organic if I could. And so on their website, Rodale's website, they had this call for free consultation to become organic. And I'm like, whoa, let me try that. So I gave yeah. them a call and got this lovely lady. Her name is Emily Gantz. She's awesome. And she walked me through the whole process. And it just has been um, a nice resource. I, I love being certified so that, you know, if people can say they're organic and they're not certified and there is a full on process to become right. Certified. Right, right. That's really cool. And um, I think what also is, is interesting is that program was probably originally introduced for, for vegetable growers or food growers. And are you one of the early adopters among yeah. flower farmers? Yeah, I'm pretty much the only one that's a flower farmer that they have worked with. So I've gotten um, some referrals of 
flower farmer to be that are going mm -hmm. through their classes. And actually one of them is going to help me out while I'm away on vacation next week. She's going to come in and I taught her how to harvest and how to bunch flowers. So she's going to create some um, bouquets for me next week when I'm gone. So um, I'm really thankful for, for them. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Rodell's a good, good resource. Well, and also kind of paying it forward to the, the you know, the future uh, generations of farmers. That's awesome. You do get, do get a frost, but you it doesn't come, right, you know, in September or anything. No, uh, mid to late October is the first mm -hmm. frost typically. And mm -hmm. it can frost mm -hmm. through April, you know, mid to late April, it can still frost. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but you have this beautiful high tunnel, or do you call it a greenhouse? I call it a high tunnel. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's an investment that you made when you had the property mm. yeah. uh, set I, up for the farm, right? NCRS mm -hmm. grants. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the first things that um, I did after I learned about it. And, you know, I'm just such a geek. Like, I just, I love that I had to go to the county and register my farm, which is my backyard. And just, <laughs> I have a plot farm number that it's assigned to my little operation. And uh, they came and inspected and they said, yep, you can put it there. And I got a grant and it covered three quarters of the cost of it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's just as a lot of fun. I have these like little milestones that, you know, I think are kind of fun. What's the dimension of that? 16 by 40. Okay. And that sounds like that, that's probably enough for now, but maybe you'll add another one in the future or what do you think? I don't know. I don't think so. It's a, yeah, it's, I'm still learning how best to use it. I mm -hmm. for sure know what to do over the winter, but in mm -hmm. the summertime, it's a different story. So this year I have lots of different crops in there. Last year I thought, well, I'll do Dahlia's thinking maybe that'll cut down on some of the wind and some of the rain events, whatever. But then it got moldy and, mm. you know, it mm -hmm. just wasn't, um, you know, just the, the powdery mildew was more rampant there than mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. out right now. I don't have any on my fields now. So wow. anyway, I'm still learning each year yeah. is a different year and, you know, how best to where to put things. And crop rotation is a part of my my plan as a right. I was going to say, that's a real organic belief anyway. So you have a lot of Liatris and you have, um, at least in the tour, we saw um, Lysianthus too, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a couple spots for uh, Lysianthus just because I planted them at different times so that there can be kind of succession planting, but they pretty much develop similarly. So mm -hmm. it worked mm -hmm. out fine. And that's sort of... It seems like that's your summer real estate, but then, you mm -hmm. know, when you said you know what to do in the winter, yeah. it's because starting your bulbs and your anemones and ranunculus um, yes. early, Yeah, they right? do great in there. I just keep swapping back and forth. And the eucalyptus does great in there, and the dusty miller does great in there. The atris I just put in this spring, and um, yeah, the basil, I had some extra space and that didn't work. So anyway, I'm learning all the time, like what, you know, what's working, what's not working. So, anyway. so yeah. So beyond the, um, the subscription bouquets, mm -hmm. do you, are you doing farmer's markets or selling to florists or what are your other channels? Yeah. Good question. Um, 
I have a business that I deliver to, a nice big arrangement. That's where those photos are. Of, and so I do a business. I have two restaurants mm -hmm. that I deliver to on Fridays. They have small centerpieces. And, um, and then a local food uh, grocery store. They call it a co-op around here. So I'm hyper-local organic flower farms. So wow. they let me bring in however many bunches that I have for them. They do have another contract with another local flower farmer, but, um, but they've been very generous in giving me space and selling my flowers. So, um, so that's been good. So are and, you doing, are you doing um, design bouquets or straight bunches or a combination? Yeah, thanks. Um, for the co-op, it's straight bunches, but I also do like you know, birthday bouquets or feeling, you know, uh, get well bouquets or whatever for friends, uh, for our church, you know, for folks that, um, you know, say, or many of my subscribers say, can you send my bouquet this time to so-and-so just got out of the hospital? Oh. So I, I, one of my subscriber calls it a flower ministry. So um, it's very interesting. I've appreciated them doing that because it just kind of encourages other people it spreads the the joy and the yeah i love that it's like they've they've paid it forward by buying pre-purchasing these flowers and then they get to choose yes how they share it yeah and, i have one that really pretty much sends them all out to everyone else so and but she's supporting cool. you too oh totally yeah what um what does that mean for you on deliveries are you trying to have all your deliveries take place in one day or so it's not taking you off the farm uh, it is every day I deliver pretty much wow. Monday through Friday. So that's, wow. that's tricky. Like I know real flower farmers and listen to me. Um, they probably harvest, I don't know, I'm just make this up like Tuesdays and Thursdays, but I'm harvesting stuff every day. And yeah. then those go into those bouquets that day or the following day. So everything is moving quickly. I do have a a flower fridge um, down in the basement, but it's not um, a walk-in cooler. So I mm -hmm. need to move everything quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when my husband joins next year, it'll be more helpful because I spend about an hour, maybe hour and a half, two hours delivering if it if I end up, you know, going right doing a lot. So I'll deliver anywhere from three to five a day. Mm -hmm. And it's typically at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. just curious, like the geographic area, is it like 10 miles or? Uh, I kind of think about it in minutes. So I try to keep everything 15 minutes to the subscribers. And then if it's a one-off, I can go up to 30 minutes and mm -hmm. they pay for delivery. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so. Well, um, you did, you did mention in the video that you shared with us that, that your husband's going to spend more time working with you next year. Yeah. So you're already making plans. <laughs> will he become your delivery driver or will you? I, yeah, I think so. And he <laughs> likes, he comes with me sometimes to visit with some of my customers. You know, I have a widow that, you know, really enjoys having him join me. And so he, he will love it. And he, he's very, he's a deacon at our church. So he likes knowing people. And so he knows a lot of my customers already. So he is going to have a great time doing that. I'm going to miss not seeing some of the right. folks that like to come out and greet me. Some folks just say, leave it at the porch and, you know, off you go. So I might not see anybody in a particular delivery day. Right. Right. He'll do a great job. Well, I think that's going to really change, be a game changer for you, not just with the deliveries, but probably with some many other things too, in yeah. terms of what you're, maybe how you reallocate 
um, planting areas and what you're growing. I just growing. run out of time. I can't, I can't make any more. I have more flowers right now than I have time to make more bouquets and deliver them. Like I just, wow. so that'll, cause I did grow more this year than last mm -hmm. year. And I have the same amount of, uh, subscribers, but I do have the restaurants, which are new. And, um, so I can use all those small flowers in those arrangements. So I'm using pretty much everything, but I do have more than I can handle right now. Yeah. I, I like your philosophy though. Like you're letting the stem length kind of determine the design and the yes. shorties all are going to go into the yes. smaller centerpieces and bud vases for the restaurants. Yep. And then the yep. dramatic tall one goes into the, yep. the business design. Yep. Yep. And if they're curvy, you know, that works in designs or you cut off the curve and put it in a vase arrangement. So I can use pretty much everything um, as long as I have time to design and make them all. So, yeah. Wow. Um, when you mentioned that you had a background in fundraising mm -hmm. and uh, development in the nonprofit sector, I immediately mm -hmm. thought, this is why you're able to do sales. I mean, it's Ooh. a different kind of business, but do you feel like some of those skills followed you into flower farming? Uh, I would say more the executive directorship did, mm. just mm -hmm. more the planning, um, kind of putting yourself out there. But I would say it's similar. It's relationship building. Mm -hmm. You know, fundraising is um, mm -hmm. same for executive directing, but um, just that whole planning and marketing like I could market so much more I turn away business because I can't yeah. I don't have enough uh I, you know my flowers are pretty much accounted for or I don't have time to yeah do. but if someone here and pick through what I have then that's fine but um I can't guarantee so I, that's the other thing I can't guarantee someone I'm going to be able to give them such and such a color so it doesn't mm -hmm. really work for me Unless somebody is like, whatever you have growing, I'd love to see what, you know, and and design from that, which I can manage that. But if you're looking the, for red or some colors, then that might be harder for me. On, at a yeah, but it sounds like you've kind of trained people that growers' choice is the, the way to go. Like these restaurants yeah. and businesses, they're, they're taking the best of the week uh, that Correct. you're pulling together for them. Yeah. Correct. Correct. <clears throat> that's, yeah. that's interesting. Well, mm -hmm. do you have... People who come, do you allow people to come to the farm and, and are you planning to do more of that? Uh, last year I had a farm tour and anybody that's interested in coming, I walk them through, which is, which is fun. Um, uh, but this year we're going away on a two week trip and I'm trying to plan that. And I just, I've been very, uh, very, very busy. So I just haven't yeah. had the energy to plan it, but um, maybe this fall, I think it's it's a possibility. Last year, I had a farm tour. Last year, I also did a class with a friend that's an artist. So I would teach folks how to design their flowers, and she would teach them how to paint. Um, so we've done that twice, which was oh. which is a lot of fun. Oh, um, that's neat. I'd like to do a plein air one where they're all outside and can set up an easel and you know focus on some flowers and and. Uh, and you're just the host. You're you're the yeah. host who welcomes them, but you don't necessarily have to teach them anything. Well, no, I'll teach them how to do the floral design. But oh, then and then they'll I'll teach them how to, to paint. But you're right. The plein air piece is all about kind of setting yourself up and seeing the landscape. So Students who come are they pretty much already in your circle of customers, or uh, are they? How do you? 
how do you um, promote the that? The last classes we had, they were more in the circle of the artist. So it was out near to her in another section, kind of near King of Prussia. Mm -hmm. um, that's about a half hour from here. So more those folks, but I'd like to have one local because yeah. some of the folks said that they'd be interested, but it's a little too far for them. To yeah. The yeah. So. But you're not planning on having like a farm stand or uh, on-farm retail at this point because you just don't have no. the flowers for it. Um, it's more the location. Like mm. it's a private lane. We're not zoned for business really. Mm. So mm -hmm. I, it just wouldn't work to have people driving in and out. So yeah. Um, yeah. But it's one thing if they came to visit or have a class, you know, and it's sure, but not on a regular, not place. like open to the public. Yeah. No, no. If I had a little farm stand, that would, I don't know. They're out the elements. I, I feel like I don't <laughs> want, want them sitting outside for very long if I'd really <clears throat> like that much. Yeah. But I'm always intrigued about how people set up their farm stands. Like, is there a cover because of that exact issue, you know, yeah. and, no. I mean, these wow. flowers, I mean, they last a good week or more, but if you leave them out in the heat, mm -hmm. they're toast. Yeah. And you've got, you've got the humidity as well. So I can see yeah. where, wow. Well, it's probably, um, yeah, I, th I would think that the next thing you might do is add a cool bot or some wa larger walk-in cooler space yeah. if you wanted to have kind of hold flowers but it sounds yeah. like you're basically cutting to order now so you don't yeah. have as much of that demand i am I, I am and um my husband was cute the other day he goes now each one of these is so unique like whatever is growing then is what i put in so yeah um so they're all made to order and whatever i love it at the time and uh my customers really appreciate that and uh, and understand it. And they're like, wow, what's that flower? What's that? You know, so I'm educating folks on local flowers and uh, locally grown flowers and field grown flowers. So Yeah, that's that's really important. And you have when you sell at the grocery store, are you putting a sticker on the yeah. bunch? So there there's some marketing there, too. Oh, right? totally. Yeah, it has my label and care for flowers and the little PCO sticker. And yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Well, so it's tempting to ask what's on tap, but we've already talked about you um, adding, doubling your labor force next Ooh. year. I don't I guess. know if you'd say doubling, <laughs> but at least I get a driver out of the deal. <laughs> um, I'm just actually kind of curious as we start looking toward the end of the year, fall and fourth quarter, do you wrap things up with when the frost hits or do you carry into the holiday season with um, anything special that, that, um, I don't know, uses forage material or that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I am drying a lot of flowers this year that are mm. extra. So mm -hmm. I, so I have, um, I made a, a wreath out of dried, you know, a, gr a grapevine wreath with some dried flowers. And I'd like to do a couple of those. Um, if, if I can, if there's enough flowers, maybe I'll sell some of those, but I will go right up to the frost and then kind of collapse and say, <laughs> I finished my season. Yay. And then I will then give myself a month break and then I'll start talking about next year. So yeah. um, I'll create the pricing structure for next year. And um, yeah, my son <laughs> helps me with the marketing. So he helps me with the website and, uh, you know, so I appreciate having him help me out with that. And um yeah, so I, each year I increase my prices because they're pretty low, and um, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I can in 
increase those. Levels. Yeah, and right. And I, I, it seems like you're getting a lot of return customers. And yeah. you, when do you, when do you let them know the menu for the following year? Like in December or? Yes, I. It has been like November fifth, mm-hmm. and then I say you have a month to let mm-hmm. me know that you're wanting to be interested, and then I post it on the website. So mm-hmm. I give returning customers first dibs because I'll, mm-hmm. you know, I'll fill up. So I don't want to. I can't do unlimited. So, so how many do you have now? You started year one with fifteen subscribers. Yeah, I'm up to forty plus. So wow. depending on you know the season and that kind of thing. So some of the spring folks will fall off, and then I'll get some new ones through the summer that are referred by folks customers. So um, yeah, it's about forty plus the restaurants. That's that's fantastic. I mean, that is like a a little uh, recipe for getting started. And, you know, so many people used to just get started at the farmer's markets Mm -hmm. where it's basically consignment selling. And now by redefining the kind of that entry level market to Mm -hmm. subscribers, Mm -hmm. every stem is purchased before you cut it. And um, you're not standing at a farmer's market all, all day on a Saturday. So I, I think this is really just reminding my, me that this is, such if you can get the customers and like you said you're relationship oriented yeah if you can find the people they've invested in you yeah and and that helps me pay for you know bulbs coming up like it just is wonderful i really appreciate getting that nice hit of revenue coming in um at the end of the year when things are slow so um so that's that, that has worked out really well that's awesome. Well, we're going to share some uh, photos uh, on our show notes when we post this at slowflowerspodcast.com. But the video uh, was the great opener to give us a sense mm-hmm. of place before we could talk with you. So I just really appreciate you taking the time to to film that and narrate that. And um, it's makes me want to visit the next time I'm in the Philadelphia yeah. area. Well, you're welcome to come anytime. Love to have you. Yeah, you bet. Hey, uh, before we wrap up, Jenny, what mm-hmm. did I... Forget to ask you that you want to make sure we share with the listeners. That's a great question. Uh, I think we covered most everything other than like I, when I get calls from budding flower farmers and they'll say, well, you know, what are you growing now? Or what should I be thinking about growing? And I'm like, have you taken a class? Have you mm-hmm. taken have you a read course? a book? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, so I'll say, I'll answer a couple questions for you. I'd be happy to, and I'll be here, but I really feel like you should take, and I give them a couple names of classes mm-hmm. so that they're not dependent on me to help them, you know, what they need to be doing yeah. next. Yeah. I have to put in the work. Mm. So, so yeah, I took the plunge and took classes on floral design and I'm certified as a floral designer, which I think helps me feel more confident when I'm designing. And now I kind of know more what I'm doing. Initially I didn't. And then I thought, you know what? I don't really know what I'm doing. No, I've (laughs) not taken any classes. I've seen some YouTube videos. And so I think, um, I don't know. I encourage folks to take classes so that they're in a legit, you know. Yeah. Especially if you are selling kind of, selling design bouquets rather than straight bunches because so often the wonderful thing is too that you're you really see yourself I see flower farmers as artists especially because they're they're growing these beautiful art supplies so uh the fact that you're a farmer florist and you're you know you have the the certification 
not that people are quizzing you, but it's sort of like you said, it gives you that sense of like, yeah, I got this. I know what I'm doing. So it's good yeah. advice. Yeah, thanks. We're just excited also to let people know how to find and follow you. So I'll add all your social places. And Jenny, thank you so much. It's just oh, been great you, to talk about your business. You're welcome. Take yeah. care. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining me today. You'll want to visit slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 574. You can watch the replay video of my interview with Ginny and watch the tour of Ginny's flower farm, which she filmed for me. Uh, since you and I can't visit in person, this is just going to be have to be our bonus. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Storic Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. You can save thousands when you build your own walk-in cooler with the CoolBot system and an air conditioner. If you don't have time to build your own, they also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. Well, it's September, and I wanted to give you a heads up that our monthly Slow Flowers member meetup is returning after our summer break. Typically, we all meet in the Zoom room on the second Friday of each month. But for this month only, we've scheduled the meetup for the third Friday, September 16th, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Our focus is diving into retail flower shops, and you'll meet four Slow Flowers members who will join us virtually from their new retail spaces and give us all a tour. How can you create your community's favorite little flower shop? Our member experts will share their checklist for anyone thinking of moving from a private studio or farm to the retail landscape. You can find the pre-registration link in today's show notes for episode 574. And the link is always found in our Instagram profile menu at Slow Flower Society. Our final sponsor thanks goes to Details Flowers Software, a platform specifically designed to help florists and designers do more and earn more. With an elegant and easy-to-use system, Details improves profitability, productivity, and organization for floral businesses of all shapes and sizes. Grow your bottom line through professional proposals and confident pricing with Details all in one platform. All friends of the Slow Flowers podcast will receive a seven-day free trial of Details Flowers software. You can learn more at detailsflowers.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 883,000 times by listeners like you. Thanks for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show and our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one base at a time, 
and I'll see you then. 